재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Our final segment, News Digest, getting some analysis on some of the major issues this past week. Uh, joining us once again, first, our good friend from Asan Institute for Policy Studies Research Fellow, Dr. Kim Ji-yoon. Hello. Hello, Henry. Well, thank you, as always, for joining us, Dr. Kim. Um, interesting uh, bit of scandal, I suppose, swirling its way around politics these days. Uh, surrounding the Blue House, uh, notably, the... the uh, the backlash against this uh, senior secretary for civil affairs, Wu Byung-woo, who um, is a confidant of the current president, uh, Park geun how damaging is it? And um, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I mean, it's getting worse, actually, uh, because of some of his claims and arguments turned out not to be true. Because, well, for example, like he said, that he, uh, he, he's... Um, the sales of the property was really um, simple and clean one because that is the Gangnam area and everybody loved to have it. <laughs> but it turned out that uh, that property was in the litigation, including uh, 20 people, including himself. So which means that it's not really easy to sell that kind of property because you, once you buy it, then you have to face all the litigation to resolve. So it was no near to be clean. So everybody actually doubted, okay, so that's why the Nixon jumped in and to help him. Um, and also, as I said, the Nixon uh, had to sell the property, like, you know, after afterwards. And with that, uh, almost a loss of the $0.2 million U.S. dollars. I mean, what kind of company or business would you know, take a risk of buying that kind of property and finally, you know, get a loss for the company? So it is really kind of... You know, um, something fishy, I have to say. Yeah. And, I mean- and I think it will probably damage the administration, and it seems already did. Um, of course, uh, it is a private matter, as a matter of fact. And the sale was done in 2011, um, 10 and 11. So it is before the public administration kicked off. So if he um, have resigned voluntarily, although he can claim that himself as innocent, Mm-hmm. then it could have a contained to the private matter, but not really involved in, or related to the government matter. But you know, for not really resigning, and he said still saying that, oh, I'm innocent, and also the president is backing up. Right. And that is, yeah, becoming a moral problem. Yeah, and getting to that, because, you know, I think a lot of us who are kind of cynical say, oh, these politicians or high-ranking officials, they have some real estate speculation problem, address mm-hmm. change or kids' military service right. issues. So that it, it all sounds the same. But this is a person who, of course, was in charge of vetting uh, high-ranking judicial officials, including, of course, this prosecutor, Ching Kyung-jun, who's been under fire. So a lot of people feel there is certainly a, a very serious conflict of interest at play. You mentioned the president, uh, maybe not a surprise because she has shown that she is very steadfast in sticking to her guns, sticking by her people. Uh, she kind of just said basically to all her secretaries, you know, you got to go through these tough times. Yeah, I hope you can uh, stick it out. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this politically risky for her or is this just her just doing her as she ends her term? Well, I think she has some traits, like, you know, she is always supporting and uh, very loyal to her uh, members and the staff. Uh, it seems like, you know, it, uh, after the general election, she was she's basically facing a lot of criticism and her approval rating is going down. And this is not the only thing that she is criticized for. Right. For example, like there's that and other, you know, the scandalous, the, the revelation of Mr. Yun Sang-hyun and everything. Uh, so she, I think she said that I thought that she could, should not back off. 
if she backs up, then it's going to get out, uh, going out of the control. That's what she thought. Mm. And of course, everybody knows that she's already in the lame duck, but she probably does not want to um, recognize it or realize it. So I'm not really sure that was a smart move. I actually do not really think it's a smart move. Uh, um, getting and letting him um, go, and you know, it's impossible. Mm. That probably helped her and then get a distance from the, all those personal matter of the Mr. Wu. Um, because, you know, and also the most the crazy thing she's facing right now is, you know, always she has been so disconnected with the people and the public opinion. Right. So this was a time she can grab a hold, but it seems that she just also let it go. There's a time to double down, right? I, I, I guess what yeah. you're saying, to spend your political capital on things that are very important or have some kind of long-term strategic benefit. But what you're saying right. is this time wasn't necessarily the the time to do that. No. The the party itself, and it's interesting that some Senuri Party lawmakers have been saying, well, you know, we agree with the opposition. Maybe this guy needs to step down. Uh, notably, these guys who've been saying this are not necessarily of the uh, super loyal pro-park uh, coalition. Is there a sense that the uh, non-mainstream, or however you want to term these people who are not super park loyalists, feel a little bit more comfortable now voicing their their differences with the uh, current government? Sure. Um, those people who said, well, maybe he should go, the Ms. Nagyongwon and Mr. Jong byung and Mr. Ishuyong, who is actually pro park, but he's not really super, super pro park. Right, not super park, uh, and, right. Yeah. Um, you know, the Mr. Hotel one, he, uh, we talked about him last week and whether or not he's going to run for the chairmanship competition. Yeah. And he finally decided not to run. And I don't really believe that he's giving a chance to other colleague members, uh, but he probably realized that maybe and possibly he can lose, and mm. which will be a critical damage to his political career. And that means, and it shows that pro power members is kind of losing control, and then everybody has realized that. Um, you know, I probably repeatedly said that, that we have a presidential election next year, and even the pro power members, if you are really super loyal, then they probably they usually try to keep a distance from the outgoing president, mm-hmm. and you know they are always kind of sunflowers and looking for another rising sun. And non-profound members, of course, and other possible members probably would turn against President Park and the Blue House and the pro-Park section is losing the control. So it's really sort of a natural thing. And then, so now the weight of political game is going to uh, the, the non-profound members. That is really, you know, happening. Now, we have all these kind of sorted details that have been coming out in the lead up to the April general uh, general elections. The nomination process was very messy at that time. Chairman Kim Musang was trying to, I suppose, be a bit more uh, diplom- yeah. uh, democratic in the selection process. That obviously didn't work um, the way they treated guys like Yoo Seung-min and some of the other uh, members mm-hmm. of the non-Super Pro Park faction. Uh, now reports coming out that uh, other loyalists like Yoon Sang-yeon and Choi Kyung-hwan trying to strong-arm uh, candidates to change constituencies um, against their will. It really kind of makes the the... Again, the super pro park faction seemed like this very, very Machiavellian, um, uh, yeah. uh, almost, uh, almost like a villainous group, and and it seems that like is, that perception is growing. That is such a wonderful word, like Machiavellian. <laughs> I'm not really sure you can describe it that word. Um, you know, the proper was criticized uh, for having screwed up all the nomination process after the loss of the presidential assembly election. You know, and. You know, at the center of 
stairs. There's a Mr. Yun Sang-yeon. I mean, if you remember the Mr. Yun Sang-yeon, he was uh, kicked out of uh, the party just right before the National uh, Assembly election because he made some denouncing remarks and comments about the Mr. Kim Mo-sung and mm-hmm. then the chairman of the party. And so his returning to the party was not really much welcomed by non proper members. And the revelation is not really a big surprise, but a very significant blow to pro faction. And you have to remember that it was Chosun, the conservative media, who is also attacking him and revealing all the, the, you know, those recordings. So, you know, you can clearly see that the political game is totally changed. It's such a big game changer. Happened in the National Assembly election. It is still happening afterwards. This is the problem here, though, uh, Dr. Kim, is we keep saying, oh, OK, after the elections, it's, it's a lame duck uh, period. But you you still want to leave behind a legacy, I guess, if you're a president, right? And, and you do want to try to accomplish something legislatively or otherwise. Mm-hmm. There's still 19 months left. So we're talking about a little less than two years. And it seems like a long time to already be so battered, so politically Bruce, not have control of the parliament, um, not have high hopes that your faction is going to field the presidential candidate. What, mm-hmm. what, what can they do right now? What well, can they achieve? To, you have to subtract one year from that because okay. you know, there's a national, uh, the presidential election is coming up, and right. probably by the time of the next year, uh, the whole country is going to be in the craziness for the election of a new pro- president. Uh-huh. He is actually out of the memories and, uh, and out of the sight of the whole people of South Korea. Well, I mean, it, I mean, we are right. I mean, she technically has a 19 months, but she's a lame duck and the presidential election coming up. So there's nothing much she, she can do, basically. Time-wise, not much time. And with this, all the scandals, I mean, she will lose driving force to run a country. And... Uh, she obviously not going to be as influential as before. And any meaningful policy that she is pushing for, such as the labor reform and, and everything, I don't really think they are like to be launched, uh, let alone passing the National Assembly, which is basically controlled by the opposition side, the opposition parties. Um, well, it is kind of interesting to compare because, um, you know, in the case of the President Obama in the United States, who is enjoying the last minute of the, you know, yeah. fame, basically, the his approval rating is going up and he actually accumulating a lot of legacies. But unfortunately, it's not really happening in Korea and for the President Park. I guess the opposition has to find some kind of Korean Donald Trump type of figure to run. Oh, no. So that... oh, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be a fascinating time next year politically. Dr. Kim, as always, thank you so much for your analysis. Hope you have a good weekend. You too, Henry. Now let's get some analysis on one of those contentious issues, the decision to deploy THAAD here in South Korea. And joining us, our good friend from Korea Institute for Defense Analyses, research fellow Dr. Kim Cheru. Hello. Hi, Henley. Well, Dr. Kim, hi, and thank you for joining us. Uh, this, of course, uh, has been talked about quite a bit. I know you've been asked many, many questions. North Korea has responded. They fired some uh, ballistic missiles this past Tuesday. Um, this provocation, do you feel that um, anything new has happened, whether these Scud and Nodong missiles pose any threat? Tuesday's missile launches were... Uh obvious a show of force rather than a test to improve missile capabilities. Uh, the regime tried to intimidate by showing off so-called physical counteraction against the planned Assad deployment. 
Even though SCUD and Nodong missiles are serious threats to the uh, overall national security of Korea, those missiles are not accurate enough to strike the planned satellite at Songju. So uh, even Nodong's flying pictures revealed by the Pyongyang also show a map of the Korean peninsula with target locations in the southern part. Those provocative uh, provocations and ironically prove uh, justifiable, harsh reality of the Korean uh, national security. So what I'm saying is the third intercepting missile can strike objects that are up to 200 kilometers in front of the system. So uh, it uses kinetic energy to destroy whatever uh, you know, SCUD and Nodong incoming missile at between 40 to 150 kilometers in altitude. So of all the North Korean's intentions to... Uh, threat the, the northern uh, Gyeongsang province is a very propagandistic maneuver. The U.S. is basing that a pretty good distance away from the border. Uh, they want to keep this battery out of reach of North Korea's long-range rocket artillery. Uh, Seoul would still be a target of those artillery shells. Uh, some people would, would say, oh, what doesn't that defeat the purpose of that? But from my, my understanding is that is not the purpose is not to defend against those artillery fires, right? Yeah, that's why the reason why the military has operationalized the concept of so-called multi-layered missile defense. Yes, indeed, uh, like you mentioned, it may not be able to 100% intercepting all incoming missiles targeting Seoul. But uh, at the moment, uh, you know, we have Patriot missile systems with a Pac-2 or Pac-3 batteries for intercepting lower terminal phase under 200 kilometers altitude. So those missiles are you know, proven to be effective in defending against uh, low-altitude ballistic missiles. Um, that's why the Ministry of National Defense is developing indigenous tailor-made missile defense program, kill chain, and the Korea Air Defense Missile System. So fundamental con- concept is a uh, more proactive, uh, proactive defense rather than waiting to hit by the North Korean Nodong and Scud missiles. So. Um, we don't have to worry about the you know North Korea's uh, uh, missile attack toward the Seoul metropolitan area mm. because we have uh, all the surveillance and uh, and the intelligence uh, you know weapon systems to watch over what's happening right. in the in the deep inside of North Korea. With these North Korean provocations, uh, often people feel they uh, are aimed also at trying to divide the public. Um, do you feel that they are trying to kind of create this kind of anxiety in South Korea over the deployment? Yes, uh, North Korea intentionally limited the firing range to stimulate a nuclear-tipped uh, missile attack. Since January's forced nuclear test uh, the Kim Jong-un regime uh, fired more than 27 ballistic missiles, including SLBM firings. So with this kind of uh, uh, practicing preemptive strikes against South Korea's southern port and airfields is an uh, apparent psychological attack. So uh, those uh, premeditated propaganda tactics to instigate anti-American sentiment and instability, like a public divide and anxiety in South Korea, so-called uh, South-South conflict. So uh, what I'm saying is that domestic uh, politicized division in the South Korea is exactly what the North wants. 
In that sense, uh, the regime has even re- resumed the encrypted message broadcast to its spies within the South Korea. Overall, the situation is getting uh, exacerbated. So uh, I think it's not uh, health risk issues or, or technical issues. It's more psychologically provocative uh, mm. issues in this uh, area. One other, I suppose, side effect to the THAAD deployment decision is China's reaction. Do you think this is going to continue to be a source of tensions and maybe even deteriorating relations between Beijing and Seoul and Washington? Yes, uh, it's a very complicated thing. The deployed decision has been made very cautiously not to deteriorate relations with Beijing. But unfortunately, China might have wanted to connect the Fed issue to use it as a leverage to push uh, pressure United States and South Korea. So overall, diplomatic and security landscapes have been complicated by territorial disputes even over the South China Sea standoff and Fed issues. Uh, I cannot buy the Chinese objection arguments because there are many focuses on expanded radar for possible surveillance capacity but uh, radar's uh, forward-based mode provides a wide-range detection to acquire ballistic missiles in ascending phase of flight. But uh, we are employing a terminal mode, uh, which detects the weapons in the descending phase. So China has been, uh, you know, uh, as we know, the uh, fiercely protesting SAR deployment, raising concerns, and the U.S. weapon would put it under Washington's, you know, you know, uh, surveillance. So I think the um, is the sovereign uh, decision of a Korean, uh, mm-hmm. Korea and the United States. So Chinese argument is uh, they fully understand technical details, but uh, they are trying to use this case as a leverage to uh, have a so-called G2 relations. Interesting. Now, the deployment is also a source of debate here in South Korea, especially for the residents of Sangju County. We saw what happened to the Prime Minister, Hwang Yo-an. Uh, what can the Park Administration do to build a public consensus and raise more awareness in regards to the need for that? I think this is a very critical part. Uh, building a public consensus requires a more sincere attitude and persuasive communication rather than uh, with all the technical details. It's not a matter of technical facts of actual interception or radar detection. Critical thing is how to fix misperceptions and distrust issues. So what I'm saying is uh, providing factual details are not enough. So it's time to uh, make a, like a present park vote to protect the nation and uh, stand strong under any circumstances. We need this um, national unity. So uh, it's time to depoliticizing the issues, making it as a national security agenda setting. Agenda setting. It is for self-defense, for our survival, not the issue of a political uh, scobling. Right. And I think that's why we're glad you're here with us, because uh, I think you can lay out the case. Uh, The final question, then, despite the backlash and controversy, uh, please tell us why you believe that offers South Korea a a good protective means uh, among the currently available options to defend itself against uh, North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missile threat. The fundamental question is how to counter North Korea's evolving nuclear and missile threats. 
yes, uh, may, uh, Fed may not be the best option, but however, it is likely to significant boost and uh, missile defense posture. Uh, my understanding uh, in terms of deterrence effects against uh, Kim Jong-un's provocative decisions is very critical thing. So challenges in defending against the submarine-launched ballistic missiles, all other possible North Korean provocative actions. I want to uh, underline one thing is they want to try to uh, provoke anti-American sentiment again here in, with these issues. So there are a lot of problems. So strong condemnation of United Nations Security Council you know, resolutions is not enough. Pyongyang uh, may carry out the fifth nuclear test sooner or later. It's time to get united to to get the, the bigger picture rather than smaller health issues or technical details. Please respect the Songju residents and uh, have a persuasive uh, communication with those local residents. With the full respect, they are agony, but it's not, it's not the health issues and misperceptions. It's more than that. It's a national security survival of the Republic of Korea. All right. Very good. Uh, Dr. Kim, as always, we appreciate your insights and analysis. Have a great weekend. You too, Henry. Thank you. That was Dr. Kim Charu. Uh, before I say goodbye, as you know, we're heading into the weekend. Uh, we, If you listen to weather and traffic, remember that uh, today is Teza, which is one of the uh, 24 seasonal divisions. It is uh, supposedly the hottest day of the year, and if you uh, walked around outdoors, you definitely felt it. Uh, the good news is uh, we are set to experience a bit of a break from the heat. Uh, we will see some overcast skies tonight, some rain uh, here in the capital area, as well as the rest of the central region, and that should continue through Saturday. Not too much rain, uh, maybe 20 millimeters at most, uh, but uh, we are going to see a return to the heat uh, once those rains pass after the weekend. Something to all keep in mind. We do hope you stay cool. We hope you stay safe, and we will see you again on Monday for another edition of Primetime. My name is Henry Shin. Goodbye.